Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. This is Medically Speaking Radio. Welcome to our show. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney coming at you from K-High Studio at AM 950. Your voice of the foothills. Everybody's voice of the foothills. It's the voice of the foothills. Absolutely. What'd you do, Larry? Why, why is it that we've been pre-recording shows and not being live in the studio? Well, I participated in the Baker to Vegas race this uh, past weekend. That's the name of it, the Baker to Vegas race? Uh, yeah, it, it's so named because it starts in Baker, California, which is in the Mojave Desert, and ends in a little town called Las Vegas. You may have heard of it. Uh, it's 120 miles now. Don't, don't me thinking that I've run 120 miles. It, it, it's teams of 20 runners running a relay against other teams of 20 runners running the same relay. This sounds different to me than any other race I've heard of. It sounds different than the Western States Endurance Run. Sounds different than the little Ironman type thing that we have, or half Ironman, whatever you call it, triathlon. There's like 250 teams all doing this. Is there just a different character of a group of 20 runners that share a 120 mile? Yeah, uh, these are all these are all law enforcement agencies. So it's law enforcement. Okay, I, I thought there was something. Insane. But um, you know, I, I was hearkening back to our little speech about heat exhaustion, and our, our third runner went down uh, with. Uh, he finished his leg, but he took um, something like three bags of IV fluid to to bring him back from oh, no. the land of perpetual leg cramp. Do you know this guy well? Oh, yeah. Is he okay now? Oh, he's fine. He's just one of those guys that goes after everything like his hair is on fire. Okay. Well, we need to jump right into uh, the show. I need to introduce what we have. It's Dr. Gervinder Shahid, the oncologist in town, uh, one of the oncologists in town, talking about his experience of thinking that he had cancer. And that's what we'll do after the break. The content of this website and the Medically Speaking Radio Show are meant for entertainment and for general information purposes. No doctor-patient relationship is attempted or implied through the show or the website. Any medical advice, home remedies, and all other medical information on this website or radio show should not be treated as a substitute for the medical advice of your own doctor. Do not attempt any treatment mentioned on the website or the show without consulting your doctor. Always consult your own doctor if you are in any way concerned about your health. If you need a doctor and live near Placer County, call Jen at 530-886-8630. If you have a medical emergency, call 911. Medically Speaking Radio, Dr. Mark Vaughn, Auburn Medical Group, K-High Radio, and or our sponsors are not responsible for any diagnosis or treatment made by anyone based on any of the content of this website or the Medically Speaking Radio show. In addition, the views and opinions expressed on the show or on linked websites are not necessarily those of Dr. Mark Vaughn, KHI Radio, the Auburn Medical Group Incorporated, or any of the show sponsors. Since 1966, Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital has been providing award-winning care to members of the community, to people just like you. The tradition of excellence continues today with our comprehensive family birth center, cancer services, 24-hour emergency care, and a whole range of outpatient services with convenient hours and locations to serve you. In addition, we've been recognized for excellence in managing heart attacks, heart failure, pneumonia, and surgical care. We are one of a select few hospitals in the state to earn recognition from VHA's West Coast region for sustained outstanding clinical performance. 
To learn more about Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital, visit us on the web at sutterauburnfaith.org slash medically speaking radio. That's sutterauburnfaith.org slash medically speaking radio. Sutter Health, with you for life. Larry, have you ever been to Auburn Drug Company? Yeah, that's the one with the marble soda fountain at 815 Lincoln Way. Yeah, right there in front they have the marble fountain. And in back is an independently owned pharmacy right here in Auburn. And that thing has been around for a long time. Since the 1800s. They are so great because they actually fill your prescriptions when you ask them to. Unlike the chain drug stores that make you wait. You know, and waiting there wouldn't be a big crime because, heck, you could always go to the soda fountain. That's Auburn Drug Company at 815 Lincoln Way in downtown Auburn. Give them a call at 885-6524. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back from the break. This is Medically Speaking Radio with your host, Dr. Mark Vaughn, and your co-host, Larry Finney. And we're talking today with Dr. Gavinder Shahid, who is an oncologist, a cancer doctor, practicing in Auburn. And uh, before we, we get into what Dr. Shahid has to say, I want to see if our listeners can recall back on Oscar night, uh, Oh, a month or so ago, whenever the heck the Oscars were. Early March, right? Okay, that sounds right. There you go. We were talking about movies featuring doctors, and one of them uh, was a movie, a 1991 film called The Doctor, starring William Hurt and Christine Lottie as his wife, and it's based on a book called A Taste of My Own Medicine. Uh, I forget the author's actual name, but the premise of the story is that we have a cardiologist who has a difficult bedside manner and is brusque with patients and so forth, but one day discovers that he's got throat cancer, and it's a very serious situation. He may lose his power of speech, and you know his career is, is uh, in the balance, his life even. And so he now is on the other side of the table and having to experience everything that his, his patients experience. Now, we are in no way implying that Dr. Shahid's bedside manner needs improvement <laughs> through shocking events, but he has a similar story to tell. Yes. So, Dr. Shahid, welcome back to the show. What we'd like to do is start with what was the very first symptom or sign that uh, triggered this whole story that we're about to, to go and uh, learn about? Thanks, uh, Mark and Larry, for having me on your show um, it's, uh, like every story goes, it's, uh, one fine morning you wake up. I was, uh, that's, uh, end of December. I'm talking about 2009. So I woke up, I was getting ready to come to work and I noticed some tightness in my uh, right leg. So I was like, okay, this tightness, but it was there. It was nagging. So I looked back and saw, well, it's swollen. It was swollen. It was swollen enough to get my attention. I was like, oh, there is something going on. Now, what, what part of your leg? Was a butt cheek. <laughs> um, well, I will use the uh, term gluteus. Yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking, we're, we're on the radio. You can show us. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but the Ustream thing isn't going. So the oh, listener, right. we, we don't have the live video like we normally do when we're in the studio. It's pre-recorded. Okay, I'm sorry, Dr. Sheed. Please continue. So we'll s- skip the visuals. <laughs> so I, I, I looked at my, uh, my back, and it was swollen. And I was, uh, okay, this is appreciably swollen. If it was a little, little bit swollen, I, w- I would say, well, it's nothing. But it was, it was definitely there. 
So um, I'm a cancer doctor. I uh, go through these emotions with my patients and I kind of uh, live through them with each patient. So the first emotion usually we get is denial. And um, all of us are invincible, That's or at least that's what we believe. And I was like, oh, cancer, I, it's not going to happen to me. So I was in a denial, but it was big enough to make me start thinking, yes, there is something. So um, I started thinking, and uh, instead of thinking it being a cancer, I thought, okay, what else could it be? Two weeks before that, I had taken my son to ski, and uh, not being a good skier, I had a couple of falls. And I thought, okay, it's probably just a bleeding in my muscle, and um, that's what is causing it. But there was no pain. Uh, there was no bruise. So I was like, mm, uh, no pain, no bruise. But I still rationalized it. Okay, no, it's still bleeding. So uh, I'll wait, see what happens. So I got up, got ready, went went to work. And of course, at the back of my mind, I was worried. But I was trying to um, suppress that emotion uh, with the denial. Two days, it didn't get any better. Uh, neither it got bigger. There was no bruise developing. So three days, still the same, full day. And I was like, okay, there is something going on. And now it's like I've accepted the fact that there is something wrong. And uh, it was there. So it wasn't it wasn't changing either bigger or smaller? No, it, it was just a few days and uh, it, it didn't change much uh, at that time. I, were, I was trying to look at any change, but I didn't appreciate any change. So I was like, okay. I called my wife. I said, well, can you look at this? And she was like, oh, my God. And uh, she said, uh, you need, a, need to get it checked yesterday. I was like, okay. So I, uh, being an oncologist, I have a partner, Dr. Suhak. So I, I thought, okay. Let him uh, let him uh, tell me what I need to do. I knew what I needed to do, but uh, when when you're in that situation, you 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 look for help. So we decided, okay, we need to do the scan. And I knew I needed to do the scan, but I needed somebody to tell me I needed to do the scan or push me through because I was worried, even trying to get the scan. So he uh, we we got we we set up the scan, and that's how actually I started my new year. I think it was on first or second of January. And I started my new year with a, with a scan, uh, worried about it being a cancer. So when it comes to yourself, it's, it's difficult to be clinical when it's you who are you're thinking about. It is actually. It is uh, difficult to be clinical. And then you try to rationalize things. I say, no, no, I'm too busy. I can't reschedule my patient. Or oh, so-and-so is sick. Oh, I only know what's, wh- what's going on with her. And if I'm not here... Uh, nobody else is going to be able to take care of her. So, I mean, you, we try to rationalize it, but I think the, but, but the underlying fact is that we try to not to get the bad news. You're worried about the results. So uh, I, I knew I needed to do it, and I did it. I didn't, I didn't waste too much time. I, it took me three or four days from the time I discovered, and by the time the scan got ordered, and uh, then next uh, next was I was sitting there uh, getting an MRI. So I was lying there uh, getting an MRI, and uh, you kind of uh, are worried at that time. You're trying to, uh, you don't know what the result is going to be, and you don't want to wait to get the results. And uh, if, if given a choice, I would uh, like to see as they were taking the images. I would like to see them. So you're trying to get the clues what it could be, and you're like, and while lying there, I was... By that time, I had kind of resigned to the fact that it may be cancer. 
I was, uh, I mean, being a cancer doctor, I knew that I was just fooling myself. It, 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 it can be very, very well be cancer. So I was like, then I started change. I changed the, I changed my emotions, and it was like, okay, I probably have cancer, and I'm going through emotions. What am I going to do about it? You, it so you went from you went from denial straight to resignation to fatalism. That that is true, actually. I, I was like, I was going through this. I was like, okay, it is cancer, and I knew it's uh, if where it is, it's in it's uh, it's probably in the muscle, and the, in the muscle, most of the times there are cancers called sarcomas, which are which are bad cancers, not very common, uh, but they are bad cancers. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll probably lose my leg. I'll probably need to go through chemo. I'm going to go through radiation. I don't want to deal with this ever again. And then it was like, if I live through this. So I was, I was uh, starting from denial to uh, thinking about, oh, what a nice day it is today. And maybe this is my last one. And I knew that wasn't rational. I knew that uh, I haven't even uh, got a scan done yet. So I was lying there listen, tr- trying to get the scan done. And other things, I'm not, I mean, going along the way, I noticed little things which we kind of in medical profession sometimes don't pay attention to. Uh, one of the tech actually at the almost at the end of the scan walked over to me and said, how long have you had this swelling? And that was, I said, well, I just noted it uh, a week ago, but that was like, oh, it's probably big. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's asking if it was small. She wouldn't ask me. I mean, I'm trying to uh, read, read between, be- the, between lines, the lines. Yeah. I'm trying to do that. So we have to be careful what, when we, what, whatever we say. I mean, especially we shouldn't be, talking um, um, among ourselves if somebody's there uh, lightly. So we have to be sure that uh, somebody may misinterpret uh, the facts. So this has given you appreciation for how you have to watch your words around patients. You do. And uh, also it, uh, it tells me that uh, um, another thing is uh, I've noticed from this is that uh, um, you need to get accurate information. Because if you just get a part of the story and it, it's not accurate, you're more worried than, than you're not. And that's, uh, uh, that takes me to another point is when uh, sometimes uh, patients don't like it when the nurses or the front desk don't give them the results. And uh, they say the doctor needs to review it and explain it to you before they can give you the results. And the reason behind that is sometimes the test can be just a little off and may not mean anything. And uh, the nurse or the receptionist tells you, okay, this is the test, but it's abnormal. The first thing that comes to my come to everybody's mind is, okay, it's really bad. It's bad. So it may be an, um, going through something which uh, a person didn't need to go through, and it's always better for, for a doctor to explain that test. And that, that takes me to the next, uh, ne- next thing is when I was lying there, I was like, I need these, these results ASAP. I mean, of course, I can't wait. And I can, I can understand that emotion patients go through, they get the scan, and then they have to wait through the, wait, wait for the results. Uh, I try to uh, get the patients in quickly and explain, that, explain it personally to them, but still they have to wait a couple of days for the radiologist to read through it. And that's, I think, the, is worse than even, uh, it's worse than knowing you have cancer is waiting to know you have cancer. Mm-hmm. So that 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 that's probably was the was the most difficult part. Fortunately, in being a, in a medical profession, I um, 
could have looked at the scans myself, and the only reason why I didn't look at it myself was I wanted to have uh, uh, the radiologist uh, to review them before I start interpreting it myself and be uh, going ballistic and thinking thinking wrong. Yeah, you want an objective opinion. Exactly. So um, then uh, after that, I actually uh, went to the radiologist uh, once the scans were done and they were ready to be reviewed. And I, the first time I looked at the scan, I was like, wow, what, what is this? It was big. It was a big tumor. It was a 28 centimeters by 22 centimeters by 8 centimeters big. It was a big tumor. So that's like a foot? Foot by 8 inches by... Uh, Something like that. I'm, yeah, trying, it, I'm trying to imagine a common object that would have the uh, approximate dimensions. Uh, a foot long at Subway? A foot long at <laughs> Subway. It was pretty much light, but it was a wide foot long. It was like three foot longs put si- uh, side by side. A, a foot long, triple E. Open faced uh, foot long. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm looking at that scan. I'm standing, and the radiologist hasn't even started reading it. I'm going through motion how can I miss this? And uh, I was like, I was thinking through it and uh, there was no pain, not, no, no symptoms. And um, uh, I was like, I didn't have words to explain how could I miss it. And that's a common thing. Another thing which in medical profession we do is if we see somebody with a big tumor and uh, we say like, how could that person miss it? I mean, commonly we discuss this during the tumor board that maybe that person had symptoms or maybe they didn't have symptoms, but I can tell you we can miss big tumors. And uh, I'm a sitting example of that. Well, it certainly reached a, a point where finally you felt the pulling sensation. Of course, your wife saw it and said, wow, that, that's something. But these things are insidious and they grow slowly and it's with you every day growing a little bit. So it has to get to some kind of a threshold um, Finally, where it's just so obvious you can't miss it, but it, it it's with you all the time. And so that's why you don't notice a lot of these things. That's true. And then I thought through it. There were subtle clues which which I've noticed. Actually, I used to carry wallet in my pocket. And I remember that uh, six months before that, I stopped carrying my wallet in, in my pocket. So maybe I, mean, I was just like, okay, it was a little bit uncomfortable, but I, I didn't think through it. Uh, so maybe it was, it was getting uh, bigger. And the first step was I was stopped carrying wallet. I still can't, can't carry my wallet because it hurts on that side. But maybe that was one clue uh, there, but it was such a subtle that I, I didn't pay attention to it. A couple of times I jogged and I felt a little bit tightness and I was like, okay, maybe it's just a pulled muscle or something. But it, 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 was, it wasn't something, even if I thought through it, even if uh, I wouldn't have picked it up earlier. So I was, okay, now I got it. What, what do I have? So the tumor looked like a fatty tissue. It's a fatty, uh, we, in medical terms, it's called lipoma. It's a, a collection of fatty tissue. Most of these lipomas are about five centimeters or less, and they're just sitting under the skin. This was a deep lipoma in, uh, under, under a big muscle. And that's another reason why I, I probably missed it. Um, so that's an uncommon position for that, and the size was big as well. Now, there's a cancerous form of fatty tissue called liposarcoma, sarcoma being cancerous. Uh, and they, they have certain uh, characteristic, uh, characteristics uh, on the scan, which it had. There were two spots which raised a strong suspicion that it could be liposarcoma. And given the size and the location, 
that was uh, kind of concerning, very concerning. Uh, and I'm just trying to be gentle. Concerning, I was frightened. So I was like, okay, looks like I have a liposarcoma. And irony of, of that situation is that uh, where I was trained in Georgetown back east, um, it's a Washington Hospital Center. It's a big lipoma, uh, uh, not lipoma, but sarcoma center. Sarcomas uh, are the cancer, is a cancerous, cancerous form of this tumor. And uh, people used to come from all over the world to get treated there. And uh, I had good experience in sarcoma, worked with uh, one of the best. And actually, one of the surgeons I worked, worked with, Dr. Henshaw, he's written a book on liposarcoma. So I was like, how ironic. I mean, there are probably about 10,000 sarcomas uh, a year in the United States. And a tiny fraction of those are liposarcomas. Like, how ironic. I mean... I got liposarcoma. Then I was like, okay, at least I know how to deal with this. Okay, so discovery, you found it. Diagnosis, we're working on that. Uh, cats, or not cats, MRI. MRI. Working with MRI, getting the results of that. It looks a little bit like it might be a liposarcoma. And we're going to take a break. And then we'll continue the story when we get back with more of Dr. Governor Shahid and his cancer scare here on Medically Speaking Radio. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn. I want to tell you about my dentist, Rodney Kihara. His office is located right in town at High Street and Auburn Folsom Road. His staff is pleasant. They smile when you walk in, and you know who they are because they're there every time. We're talking about Flo, Cheryl, and Judy. Their pleasant faces welcome you into the office and let you know that you're in the right spot, a comfortable place to go to the dentist. Call Dr. Kihara's office at 888-1966. That's 888-1966. Few things in life are harder than thinking about serious illness or the death of someone you love. Research confirms that Americans want the basic services that hospice provides. Care at home or in a home-like setting. Treatment that preserves a sense of dignity and respect. Emotional and spiritual support for patients and for their families and effective pain management. Hospice helps patients and their families deal with end-of-life challenges in a life-affirming, compassionate way that brings dignity, hope, and love to every day of life. This message of love and caring is the focus of hospice care. This message is brought to you by Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice. We can be reached at 886-6650 or click on the link for Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice on the Medically Speaking Radio website. The doctor would say don't stick anything in your ear, unless, of course, it's Medically Speaking. On K-High, the voice of the foothills. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back from the break. This is Medically Speaking Radio, and we are here speaking with Dr. Shahid about his cancer experience. So when we left off, you had just been talking about that you really thought this was a liposarcoma, which you're attending back in, uh, was it a residency or fellowship? Fellowship. At at, uh, Georgetown, actually wrote a book about. What was it that made you think it was a liposarcoma? And then what was the uh, diagnosis process from the MRI on? There, were, there are certain features uh, uh, which um, in the MRI is very char- characteristic about it, and it, it did have those. But as I always tell my patients, cancer is not cancer till you have uh, a biopsy or have looked at it under the microscope. 
The problem with this one was this was big. And lipos, uh, liposarcoma are, are the fatty tumors. They are enclosed in a capsule. So if you, if you violate that uh, capsule, it can spill over. So the concern would, would have been is it could spill over and could uh, have a kind of spread locally. And also the biopsy would have been difficult because the areas were deep as well. So the next step is, okay, what, can I, what else can I do to figure that out? And there's a scan called PET scan, which not only tells me if there's a tumor, but also tells me if there's any activity going on. And if, if there's a cancer, it shows a lot of activity. So it, it picks up a lot of tracer and uh, it, it shows us the spot as hot spots, which could be cancerous. Now, mind you, there's no test which is 100% accurate besides having a biopsy or having the cells under the microscope looking at, at and saying these are cancerous cells. So next step is, okay, by that time I had resolved to the fact, so I was more analytical at that time, and I was like, okay, I got this, and I'm going to do something about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and do, do something about it. But I was also worried. By this time, after the MRI and before the PET scan, when I was like, okay, I'm dealing with liposarcoma, I'd already sat down with my wife, <laughs> went over the life insurance, and I had told her, well, don't spend all your money right away. Take care of the kids, give them good education. So I went through all the emotions. And, you know, that that's another thing is, once I went through through this and kind of got my life in order, which I commonly talk to, to my patients, and I did never got, uh, got myself to do it, that I felt at peace. I actually was ready to die at that time. I was like, okay, I'm ready. If I have to go, I have to go. Of course, I didn't want to go because my kids were still young and I was concerned and I was like, why me? And I was going through all those emotions. But, uh, but once I had... Uh, my life in order, my uh, uh, plans for the kids and my for my wife and everything in order, I was at peace. So I actually tell everybody who's sick or not sick that get your life in order. Make sure you have your life insurance. Make sure your finances in order. Make sure you have your advanced directives, which is basically uh, what are your wishes if you really get sick? Uh, do you want to be um, put on life-sustaining machines or not. So you need to have that. If you have those things, you're at peace. You you kind of, you. the worst thing which can happen is when you're dying and you have some unfinished business. So that, that was the, one of the emotions I went through at that time. So, and then I was like, okay, I've got these things in order now. I, I need to take care of this. And I was thinking analytically. I was thinking, okay, if I need chemo, I'll go through chemo. I may have, if I have to go uh, lose my leg, I'll lose my leg. And But I'm going to fight this. I'm, I, I don't want to deal with this ever again. I'm going to do everything I can now so that it doesn't come back if I live. So that was my, <laughs> that was my next uh, Step was to see if it is really cancer or not. So I got a PET scan done, which, as I explained, could have given me a better information. Now, as the luck would have it, it did show me two spots, the same spots, and they should, they, they did show that there was some brightness. Now, the brightness was intermediate. Now, it was neither this way, neither that way. So it wasn't like, okay, this is cancer, or it wasn't that it's not cancer. So that's like, okay, you got a $2,000 test, and it's still... Still inconclusive. Still inconclusive. And uh, one may say, okay, what's, what's the point? It still was helpful. If it was completely negative, 
that means I probably don't have cancer, then I could have a smaller surgery so you can just take it out piecemeal. But if it w- but since it was inconclusive, I had to uh, presume it to be cancer until proven otherwise. And another thing, especially in anybody who gets diagnosed with cancer, is most important thing for them at that time is cancer treatment planning. And the can- what I mean by cancer treatment planning is that if somebody if the treatment gets messed up in the beginning, you can't go back and change it. And the and the example I can give you is if I had presume okay it's not um, not a cancer and had a surgery which it was taken out piecemeal and a week after that get a call from the pathologist saying okay I'm I'm sorry it's cancer and now I've messed up the surgery and I have the cancer spread out there and there's no way to scoop it out so be be very careful uh, and make sure that your doctors have planned your cancer treatment. Sometimes you may have to see a different specialist. You may have to see the surgeon, may may have to see the radiation oncologist, but have a plan before you start the treatment, what the treatment plan is, and is it accurate. At Sutter Sutter Auburn Faith, we have tumor boards where we commonly discuss patients and and, uh, radiation oncologist, pathologist, radiologist, surgeons, urology, and medical oncology. Uh, Everybody is there, and we discuss uh, each cancer patient and come up with the plan before before we treat. So that was another another thing which uh, which was important for me is to make sure I don't mess it up. So with the with the PET scan, I was left with okay, it could be cancer. So now the thing is now it's a big one, and it was sitting right next to the nerves. It was sitting right next to my joint. So it would have been a difficult surgery. It was big, and uh, so the problem was. Am I going to lose function in my leg? Do, will I have to? Uh, get the muscle out will i have to compromise a joint so the next uh, next thing which i was going through was how much risk i'm going to take how much function i'm going to try and preserve so i was like i mean i was at one extreme i was like okay if i have to lose my leg i'll lose my leg i i don't care i don't want to deal with cancer let me clarify when you're making a decision about the surgery you had those two spots that lit up on the PET scan at an intermediate level, so you didn't have a definite answer whether it was or not as you're planning this, right? Yes, that's true. If it was definitely a cancer, then decision would have been easier. Then I would have said, okay, I need a clean margin. By clean margins, I mean I need to take it, get, get it all out with the normal tissue around it. I don't want any cancer left behind. But when it's sitting close to a nerve, you have to sacrifice that nerve. So then it ends up being is, okay, what if I sacrifice that nerve, lose a function in my leg, and at the end of the day, it's not a cancer? Mm. So these are the difficult decisions I, have to, I had to make, and actually, my patients have to make, and that's why I sit down with them, and any time I discuss with them uh, treatments, chemotherapy, could be radiation, could be surgery, I go over the side effects, what are the side effects, what are the long-term complications, and what are the benefits, what, what, what are the chances of beating this thing or uh, chances of uh, preventing it coming back. So we, I, we have to balance. And that is actually the most difficult part for any, any person to make that decision. And uh, I usually tell my patients, don't make a fast decision on, on this. I want your good decision, not a fast decision. And they need to think through this. I tell them to call me again, sit down with me again, ask questions so that they can make the right decision. So what I did at that point was, okay, I need to find a surgeon who can do this. And uh, 
especially because there's a concern about cancer and it's neither um, sitting somewhere where uh, uh, it's in like in my belly or on my chest. I need it. It's, it's close to the bone. So I may have to sacrifice the bone. They may have to work with the nerve. So the kind of surgeon I needed was a surge, uh, orthopedic oncologist. Unfortunately, in this area, we don't have that many. Uh, not, if I'm saying not that many, I, I think there's only one person who's who's here in whole of Sacramento area. And in uh, Bay Area, there are probably about two or three only. So, um, I mean, fortunately, I had access to uh, Surgeons Back East, who was my mentor, actually. And I called him, and um, uh, he may he may listen to this, but... As all surgeons have, he told me he's the best and uh, come over here and I'll do the surgery. But I was like going back to East Coast, going through all this. So you have to think of the logistics of this as well. And you want to get the best treatment. But uh, I mean, I had to think about the logistics of this. And I decided uh, that that would be too difficult, too disruptive for my family. My kids go to the school. So I said, well, I'll probably have to do do it do it here somewhere. And then he insisted he knew few few people uh, in UCSF and uh, in 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 Bay Area, so I said I promised, and I'm, I'm I'll I'll see see them. Now here's another thing which I usually patients ask me very hesitantly, and sometimes they say um, they want to have a second opinion from a big center, and I actually encourage them if somebody has any doubts, they need to do that. The, you need that for your peace of mind, and you need that to have confidence in in the treatment. If a doctor tells you you don't need a second opinion or discourages from you from a second opinion without explaining why, I would say run from that doctor. So, I mean, I got, uh, got I saw two surgeons, and uh, it wasn't that both of them were very competent surgeons, and both of them knew what they were doing, and though they, they were experts in their fields. So the next thing, which, uh, I mean, I uh, had... I asked them how they're going to do. So I kind of asked them the questions, the right questions, the technique and everything. So eventually I uh, settled on one. And uh, what I settled on is basically a person who sat down and uh, talked to me and talked to my wife and spent time with me and spent time with my wife, explained all my concerns, explained everything. So it all ends up being is you're connecting to the right person. So it's not just your te- uh, person's technical skill, but uh, how 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 good uh, a person is uh, in communicating with you and how 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 uh, concerned he looks for you were both of these surgeons orthopedic oncologists both of them are orthopedic oncologists and both of them uh, have done these kind of surgeries and uh, are, are are very very good at it okay so eventually i mean i went with the with the person who i connected with and uh, who uh, who uh, spent time with me so on this one case you saw most of the orthopedic oncologists in northern california that's true. Uh, well, uh, you can uh, consider, considering the numbers, I probably saw more than fifty percent of those. And, and and both of them agreed as as to your. Treatment? Both of them actually agreed to the treatment plan. They they knew they they agreed that this has to be taken as cancer until proven otherwise. And then the actually, especially with the second person, another thing I liked about that person was that he did sit down with me and the kind of. Um, um, went through what my wishes were as well. I mean, how much, uh, what, w- because it wasn't proven that it's definitely cancer. So how much risk I'm willing to take? I mean, am I willing to sacrifice the sciatic nerve or if it becomes too close to it, 
rather than sacrificing it, take it out as much as, as he can closely, even if there is a little bit of the tissue left behind, and then uh, maybe go in with the radiation or chemotherapy if it's, if it's cancer. So he did go over those, and I liked, liked that, his, his approach. And eventually I did t- talk to him, and I said, I want you to take it out as cleanly as, it, as you can, as negative, but if it comes to the function, uh, maybe... I don't want to lose the function there as well. And if it is and ends up being cancer, I, I can deal with it with chemotherapy and, uh, and radiation. So I initially, starting from where I said, I'll, I'll get my leg chopped off, I uh, went through, dissected the, radi- the, the, uh, the radiology studies and came to that conclusion. So uh, your decisions change. And uh, that's another thing is don't go by emotions. Sleep, sleep over, sleep over what you want to do, and don't make a quick decision. Sometimes we make a decision. Okay, I'm diagnosed with cancer. I'm going to die. I'm not going to do anything about it. And a person may be curable. So think through it. Talk to people. Talk to the doctors. Look at your uh, options. See see how much they can do. I mean, what what are the uh, risks involved with the treatment, and uh, what are the, what are your chances, and then make a decision. Okay. With that, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue this story of what happened with Dr. Shahid's cancer scare. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn. I wanted to let you know a little bit about our practice at the Auburn Medical Group. The physician, nurses, and front desk personnel all approach the patient, asking themselves the question, how would I want to be treated if I was in the patient's shoes? Listen to what one of our patients has to say about her experience at the Auburn Medical Group. My name is Susie Brown. I just want to sincerely thank that group of people for being there for me in some emergency situations. They are very efficient. Their staff, including their receptionist, even when you call her, she's got uh, sympathy and compassion for you. And when you're ill, that's what you need. The nurses, the nurse staff is wonderful. And Dr. Vaughn listens to everything you say, and they just get on things. They do not let anything lag. If you need a doctor... Call us at 886-8630 or look at our website at auburnmedicalgroup.com. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back from the break. This is Medically Speaking Radio, and we are speaking with Dr. Shahid about his uh, experience of going through a a, uh, diagnosis of a massive we thought was cancer or could very well have been. Uh, when we left off, you were talking about your decision about uh, surgery with an orthopedic oncologist. That you actually kind of changed your mind about what you wanted to do for treatment. And you were talking to him. And that's where we left off. Right. So um, so I talked to him and uh, we decided we he, he both of us agreed that we did need to do the surgery and we will take it out as cleanly as possible and uh, if it involves a nerve, we're going to try and save the nerve. So next thing was, okay, I wanted to be taken out yesterday. And by this time, it was starting to hurt a little bit. So it was difficult for me to sit down. And driving all the way to San Francisco isn't easy when you have a big tumor sitting in in your gluteal area. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and well, for those who may have just tuned, tuned in, we're talking about a tumor that's about a, we just said it's like a foot long, eight inches wide in the right gluteal area, or for those of you in Forest Hill, the butt cheek. And uh, this is a pretty sizable mass to be removing. Right. 
So you you, you have that big a t- bigger tumor uh, uh, when you're sitting it it starts to hurt so you try to improvise but I mean I have to <laughs> I have to do things with I, which I needed to do I, mean, I I still was working I was coming to work and uh, I had to drive and then I had to drive to San Francisco as well my wife did uh, did drive me uh, but um, I like to drive myself so <laughs> so I, different things we do I mean I had a I, uh, what I did was I put a towel under my other other butt cheek so <laughs> I made them even and <laughs> drove Balance to the, things out a little bit <laughs> a little ballast I, so I, I balanced it out so I uh, so I wanted to get it out because I was concerned it's getting bigger now. So I could I could see it had gotten bigger by that time, and it was uh, starting to hurt when I sit. It didn't hurt hurt me uh, unless I sat or something. I was still still walking and I was still able to run and uh, do things. So I wanted to get the surgery done as soon as possible. And then again, you have to see if you want if you if you want to see the the doctor you like. Sometimes. They're busy. I mean, and most of the good doctors are busy. So I had to work with his schedule as well. And he was very helpful. And he, 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 he tried to do everything he could to fit me in. But then again, I didn't want to bump anybody as well. So I had to wait two weeks considering, I would say that was still uh, pretty uh, fast, I would say, for, for me, because sometimes the wait could be even a month. Uh, so, so his next appointment was uh, two weeks, and I, I looked at myself. I said, "I'm not hurting as much. There may be other people who may be hurting, so I'll wait. I'll, I'll, I'll wait and get get through the surgery." So now, at that time, I made that decision, and then I'm like, I'm sitting every day, and it's like, okay, now, now Let's I'm waiting for the over. surgery. <laughs> yeah. So you, you kind of waiting for it to happen. Now this two week period. Were you in the office at all during that time? What, uh, what were you doing all day long? For I was. Weeks? I was still working because, as I said before, you don't you don't believe that anybody else could take care of your patients, <laughs> which I was wrong. Actually, my colleague really covered me very well after surgery. He he did, and uh, I mean, it's it's. Um, well, is part of it not the distraction as well? I mean, you you got to take your mind off your situation and, and that, try to do something normal. That is true, actually, and uh, it's 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 true. I mean, that kept me busy as well, and uh, actually, um, it helped me. My patients were very supportive as well. So, I mean, I I used to give emotional support to my patients, and I got emotional support from my patients as well. So that was that was actually therapeutic <laughs> to me. Another thing, I mean, I used to drive uh, when I used to drive to work. Every day I used to look, look up and say, hey, what a nice day. And I was counting the days because I didn't know. I mean, it was going to be a big surgery and uh, who knows, complications happen. So I, was, I wasn't sure if I was going to live this year or not. I mean, I, I, every day was worthwhile. And I was like, I used to just thank God for every day. And I said, I'll make it worthwhile, this day worthwhile. Thanks for giving this day to me. And uh, I was hugging my kids more uh, during this. So you, you, you change your perspective on life. Being in oncology and cancer medicine, it had already changed my perspective in life. I, was, uh, I knew that every, the time is the most precious commodity. Everything else comes back. Money comes back. Everything else comes back. You cannot uh, uh, have more. I mean, time, once it's gone, it's gone. It never comes back. So you have to appreciate time. That's the most precious thing you have. So I, I've worked, worked through this, but it was like, uh, it's still a blur to me. I mean, at that time, it was, I was just trying to go through the emotions. I needed to go through the surgery, don't know what's going to happen. 
during the surgery, what's going to happen after the surgery, and is it going to be cancer? How bad is it going to be? So that those two weeks are kind of blur. And then came the D-Day. So I had to go to use uh, San Francisco, and it's uh, it's not it's it's far. I mean, I. I I really appreciate uh, n- now that uh, what uh, Mitch Hanna, uh, our um, administrator at the hospital, is trying to do is get as many services as he can locally in Auburn. Um, if you're sick, that traveling that far to just to get uh, medical care is not easy. It, it's difficult. And that was that was the toughest part, having to go all the way, then having somebody else take care of the kids because my wife wanted to be there. So it, it really disrupts your life. So having medical care locally is uh, is something I think uh, not only people or everybody should insure, have insurance, but I think more so they should ha- be able to see their doctors as close to home as as possible. So I go go to San Francisco, and that night, um, next morning, my surgery is the first first surgery in the morning. It's probably I think it's a, supposed to be at seven, and uh, I'm getting ready. Wake up at five o'clock, taking a shower, and it, I f- it felt like I was on a death row actually, <laughs> get, getting ready. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 you orders your last meal. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I was supposed not to eat anything that morning, so that was another thing. Oh, don't, you I don't even last, get a last meal. <laughs> so I mean, I, <laughs> even at San Quentin, they get a last meal. Uh, so I, I, my doctor told me, you, you, I can't have my last meal as well. So, so I wake up. I mean, the thing is, you're going through the surgery, and many people go through surgery, and I know that most people live through it, and the complication rate is minimal, but... Um, it's still still a surgery, and uh, I can understand even even though the surgeon or we explain to the uh, to a person that uh, the chances of things going wrong are minimal. But everybody thinks thinks the worst. So that's another thing I realized is even if you t- even if I tell tell my patient that they're going through the surgery, oh, it's a, it's a, it's an easy surgery and complication probably a person risk of person dying through this is point two percent. That person's going to think that they may not be able to coming through it, and I I, I lived through. I mean, I I experienced that. And even though I had medical knowledge to know that that there that uh, there's a very decent decent chance I'll be or not decent chance that's high probability that I will be waking up after the surgery. So I still went through that emotion. So for me, the surgery is I was knocked out, so I had anesthesia. So for me, that's that was the easiest part. Right. You remember nothing. Yeah. My, I remember nothing, but my remember uh, my wife telling me that you don't remember anything, but I had to live through this. Mm-hmm. So she had she had to wait. Uh, it was a long surgery, and actually, uh, everybody was surprised uh, uh, in the operation theater when they saw how big this tumor was. And actually, that's what my surgeon told me that people were like, "Wow!" and uh, and you said he's a doctor, and he he didn't he, he missed, missed it. <laughs> so so he surgeon came and to, told me that. So so my wife was sitting in a waiting room, and she described to me that it's difficult. So I I think that was probably um, most difficult. Even, even for me, I mean, I was going through this. Uh, even even before the diagnosis or during the diagnosis, but that was the most difficult part for her to sit there and not know what the next news is going to be. How roughly how long was the surgery? That was probably my surgery was I was in there for about three hours. Oh, it was a it was it's a big surgery. I have I have uh, my scar is about thirty three centimeters, which is probably about one and a half feet, probably. 
So it, it was a big surgery, and they had to actually uh, the way they had to go through it because it had it had it had different pockets in it. So it was difficult for them to remove. But eventually, he did was able to remove everything. And the next thing I remember is waking up, and uh, my wife was sta- standing next to me, and uh, the nurse was standing next to me, and he she was saying, "Are you in pain?" And I I thought through it. I it wasn't hurting where I had the surgery. But I was having pain, and that pain was from the Foley catheter. Oh. I was like, wow, it's not hurting at all at the surgery, but this thing is terrible. Ah, <laughs> uh, the catheter, yeah. And you know, that's another thing is we all doctors have to think through it is it is painful. I'm telling you, it is painful, so we have to be... Uh, <laughs> not good. Well, I was going to ask you this: this thing is over a foot long. What, what did you name it? I, I mean, it, 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 did it get a birth certificate, or uh, you know, um, <laughs> I got rid of it. <laughs> oh no! Wow. Yeah, I you did. Uh, it wasn't an abortion, so. <laughs> So that, that, that's another thing. I, I mean, the the pain from Foley hurt more than the pain from surgery. So it wasn't hurting. I mean, these little things, You, uh, if somebody has a Foley, we ask about the pain from other sides, but we don't ask them about the Foley pain. I mean, these are things so, you have so to be careful for, about. For those not, not familiar, a Foley is the, the catheter for, for, urine. for urination. Yeah, right. So that was that was an, at, at that time. That was, And then I was goofy at that time because I was just waking up from anesthesia. So I went back to sleep. Um, then I, I was in the hospital for about five days, and the nurses were very helpful. I mean, I mean, the care was good. Um, everybody from uh, um, the cleaning staff up to the nurses to the doctors. Well, what about uh, the so food, they, though? What about the food? <laughs> this is what we want to know. Did you have to eat the food? Can I skip on that one? <laughs> no dark well, chocolate. For, uh, well, the thing was, one thing is I didn't um, have an appetite. Uh, after the anesthesia, you, I mean, I didn't feel like eating. And uh, I had to force myself to eat. And the food wasn't good. I mean, uh, in hospital, food is hospital food. Maybe that's, that's the, the reason why they do it is because they, don't, they want you to lose weight. So <laughs> I think where we're going with this, it, so it, it turned out to be benign. It, it, it turned out to be benign. Luckily, after that, I mean, I got the pathology report and it turned out to be benign. And uh, it, there was a concern since it's, it's a rare tumor. It was reviewed by two, two different pathologists and both of them came, came, to the, came to the conclusion that even though it was big and there were features in the scan, it was, it, it, they did not find any features in the uh, bio, in the pathology, which is looking under the microscope, they did not find any cancerous tissue. So luckily, it ended up being being not a cancerous, and it was just a big fatty lipoma. And uh, as I joke with my staff, they were they were like, "So you just had a, a butt implant go- gone wrong?" I said, "Yeah, I had a butt implant gone wrong. I had to get it taken out." We did a news story about that. <laughs> yeah, well. You seem like a pretty compassionate person to begin with. That notwithstanding, has this experience changed your attitude towards patients at all? Um, hadn't changed my attitude towards my patients because you you can't do cancer medicine unless you really feel with 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 with, with, with your patients. You would be. I mean, that it's it's a it's a difficult difficult field to be in, and you cannot do it unless you really are willing to go through the emotions. 
going through the emotions, uh, I, le- I picked up the subtle things, which I think it, at the end of it, it has made me a better doctor. I think it's a part of um, my training. I would say it's it's a it it is an important for me. It, this is an invaluable experience. Um, looking back, I mean, thanks it didn't turn out to be. Thank God it didn't turn out to be a cancer. But looking back, I think it was very invaluable, and I wouldn't want to change it. Uh, sometimes people say, "Oh, I wish it didn't happen to me." I, I never thought of it that way um, after I knew it wasn't cancer. But otherwise, I think it was a very invaluable experience for me. I picked up subtle things, uh, how, how it can make me a better doctor, to be, to, to, to be honest. Another thing which it gave me is it gave me more appreciation for, for life. Uh, um, it, 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 it gave me appreciation for uh, why we're here and uh, to to make it more meaningful. Uh, so it, it was an important experience for me, not as a person only, but also as a doctor, as a medical doctor. Uh, I know they can't make it as a part of a training, but uh, thank God for giving me that opportunity to be to learning from this. Yeah. And I, I would be very comfortable saying that uh, all of Auburn is um, blessed to have you come through this and... Uh, for it to have been benign um, because of what you provide to our community and our, our listeners, you know, a lot of our listeners to this show are future patients of yours and, and they will be blessed through this experience that uh, you had and, and that it did turn out to be benign so that they can have you as their doctor. Uh, we do need to wrap up. Is there any final thought that you wanted to uh, tell our listeners? You know, you're right. I mean, it's it, uh, the way it was, the, how big it was, it was, it could have very well been a cancer. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm surprised that it's not a cancer. And I think part of it is because uh, of the prayers of my patients, prayer of my loved ones, that I'm sitting here and talking about it this way, and it's not. It's, it didn't turn out to be a cancer, because I am surprised it's not a cancer. Well, we do uh, need to come to the end of the show here. Dr. Shahid, thank you so much for sharing this story, uh, very personal story, with our listeners on the show. Uh, we do look forward to having you back, uh, hopefully on something a little lighter to to go over. Uh, as always, we want to encourage you to learn about in Medically Speaking Radio by going to our website, medicallyspeakingradio.com. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can become a, a fan. Or yes, now, uh, it's no longer becoming a fan of things on Facebook. Have you seen that? No. Now you either like things. I guess you can't dislike like you do on YouTube, but you you like things, so... Please, please like us on on Facebook. And uh, we look forward to being back with you again next week, every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock right here on AM 950 KI. Or if you listen to us on podcast, please uh, go to iTunes and rate our podcast on iTunes. That helps us out. Uh, At the end of the broadcast here, this is Dr. Shahid joining us. Myself, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney, as always, telling you to stay in good health.